Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Transforming Trauma to Triumph. I'm your host, Diana Min, and I'm here joined with our wonderful guest, Dan Pierce, who is an entrepreneur, a writer, and a speaker. And I'm so excited to be having him join us today because his story is so incredible, and I've connected with him already before this, and we have so much in common, and I'm really looking forward to sharing you guys. So Dan, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So for our audience that doesn't know uh, who you are, please just give us like a little bit of an overview of who you are, what you do, who you serve and, and what you have going on. All right. Um, hello, my name is Dan Pierce and I am one of the founders of a company called Mentally Fit. And who I am is just a guy who went through his own uh, problems and challenges with mental health, uh, like addiction, depression, anxiety, and other things, and came out the other side of that and was, was inspired to start Mentally Fit. Um, I have a partner in the company. She's my girlfriend, uh, Bianca, and together, we're just helping people get access to support and resources for improving mental health. Um, and we kind of look at it. Like we all have mental health the same way we all have physical health and the brain is, you know, one of these organs in the body that's so complex, but gets so little attention. So our mission really is just to make mental health more of a normal, accessible, relatable sort of thing that we all work on improving every day. So I would say that's sort of it in a nutshell. Awesome. Awesome. And I mean, mental health is something that sometimes I feel is really overlooked in our society because, you know, it seems like sometimes a lot of the focus is um, spent on looking outside of ourselves to kind of identify problems or things that need to be fixed when in reality it all starts with ourselves. And so I think it's great that that's the mission that you um, and your partner have with your company to really bring that to the forefront and have people really invest in, you know, creating a healthier mental state because essentially that's where everything stems from, right? Our business, our goals, our relationships, like our money, everything comes from how we perceive our experience and essentially ourselves. Yeah, that's a good, a great point. Um, it all starts from within, right? Like we could, um, we could have everything externally, but a lot of times, you know, people get all those external things. They get the job they wanted. Um, they get the relationship they thought they wanted, and then they're still miserable inside for some reason. Right. So, um, yeah, it really does all start from within. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of kind of what I do in my business and what you do in your business is really trying to help empower people um, to look within, which can be really uncomfortable. So really getting that support to to find whatever answers are underneath all of those really, um, you know, kind of uncharted territories within is, is so important because I think a lot of people, when they, when they think about doing that inner work, they don't even really know where to start. So mm-hmm. really giving people, you know, that platform and, and that support to, to figure it out is, is so, is so important. Yeah, I think one of the the main points that we've really been, um, you know, hammering home for people and just saying as often as possible is that no matter what it is you're going through, you're not alone. And you don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to experience it alone. 
And no matter like how weird or different you might feel like it is, there's definitely somebody, at least one person, probably a bunch of people out there mm-hmm. who have been through the same thing. So what we're hoping to create and what we are creating at Mentally Fit is just a place where it's okay to have the challenges that you experience, to talk about them and to find, um, you know, people that are going through it, people who have been through it and experts and mentors who can help guide you through it all in one place. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I wish I had that when I needed it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, yeah. That's, that's sort of why I started, um, originally started Mentally Fit was I had, you know, we talked earlier before uh, the episode, I had my own challenges with mental health growing up. I went to my first um, therapist by the time I was 11 years old. And at that time, I just felt like empty and sad. And I didn't know why. Um, And then later on, that developed into like social anxiety, it developed into addiction, all these different things. Um, And I really, you know, I I went through a lot of different programs and different treatment centers and different solutions for mental health. Um, And it's been evolving over time, like definitely uh, the solutions and options out there are much better than they were back when I first started, you know, going through it, you know, I don't know how long ago now, like 20, 15 years ago. but, you know, still, when I was going through it, I did not find that community piece that I really felt like was was needed, you know, like a community of people who truly understand and get what I'm going through and uh, experts who really understand and get what I'm going through. Because a lot of times, you know, it's easy to feel misunderstood if you get matched with the wrong uh, therapist or the wrong expert, like who just doesn't get what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to feel alone and isolated if you don't have like a supportive peer group who understands what you're going through. And it's so hard to find. So definitely that was one of the reasons um, I initially started Mentally Fit was to give myself the support that I wanted um, and to create that for other people as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, Tell us a little bit about your journey to, you know, being as mentally fit as you are now, because I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, it, it wasn't always like that. And, and obviously, you've created a community, you know, not only for yourself, but for others now, which is so beautiful and supportive. But um, yeah, walk us through a little bit about how you got to where you are. And, and, you know, kind of just the journey of, of what you had to overcome to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, You know, one thing I want to point out is that I'm definitely not like, you know, the most mentally fit, perfect, emotionally perfect person in the world, right? Like I'm just a normal guy um, or normal person like you or anyone else listening to this. And I don't have everything figured out, right? And I think that is, is one thing just to take note of, because as you're working on yourself and Um, improving the areas that you want to improve, like opening up your awareness to blind spots that you might want to improve. Um, I think the more you know about uh, mental health, like the more you realize that there's more to learn. There's always more to learn. And um, it's always a process of discovery and mastery. You know, it's really like a way of life. And, and it's just, um, you know, on one hand, there's no end. On the other hand, it's like this beautiful, ever evolving journey. So just want to, put that first. Um, and, uh, yeah. So you want me to tell you the whole, 
uh, story uh, sort of from the jump, or what part do you want to? <laughs> yeah, well, I just want to say just one note on what you just said. Yes, yeah. that is an important part. No one is perfect, right? And just because yeah. I'm a coach and you're an entrepreneur and you're helping support people and I'm helping support people, we are all still working on it, right? And it's yeah. and as the beautiful journey of life is all you know, it's just this never ending. Uh, never ending journey of facing your own shit basically right? <laughs> and 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 not being afraid to do so so yeah um we're all still learning evolving and and working to be better every day so um i yeah. guess you can kind of start with like kind of what was um going on in your childhood that maybe led to some unfortunate events that you had to experience yeah i've had a lot of time a lot of time to think about this because, you know, this is obviously a question that gets asked a lot in therapy and like different programs and everyone wants to know, you know, like what happened in childhood, like what event happened that turned you from that way to this way or like everyone wants to know the origin story. And, um, you know, I can't say that it's one thing. It, to me, it seems like uh, for myself and just from observing other people, uh, it's usually like a combination of things. It's like one event happens and then the necessary support that might've prevented it from going one way isn't there. And then another event happens and, you know, it's just circumstances along with like sort of your genetic predis predisposition. For me, I was a very uh, sensitive kid, very shy. I remember. Um, and yeah, just like very sensitive in like every single way. Like, Early on in life, I had sort of a touch um, sensory processing issue where like grass on my feet felt really bad and um, just highly sensitive in so many ways. And so you couple that like genetic predisposition for being a very sensitive kind of kid um, with a father who was a Vietnam veteran and, um, you know, he had come home from war mostly, you know, his, mentally he really uh, suffered from a lot of PTSD um, anxiety, depression, addiction, hypervigilance. Um, and him and my mother were trying to figure out how to make a relationship work. You know, they had four kids at this point. Um, he's dealing with his PTSD. She's, you know, dealing with her own stuff. And kind of like, you know, when you have that many kids in a family, um, it's, I don't know if you have brothers and sisters, but it's a little bit like a war zone I compare it to. Uh, there's love, but there's also like, you know, fire extinguisher fights, uh, knife fights, fun stuff like that. No one got stabbed, which is great. Uh, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like growing up with, with siblings, it's just chaos a lot of times. And if you're, I was the second to youngest. Um, and I think one that sort of happened for me is like, I kind of got lost in the mix. You know, when my younger brother was born, um, he kind of became the new baby. And then it's, you know, I feel like parents' attention often gets split between like the newest one and maybe the oldest one. And then sort of the ones in the middle, um, they're okay. You know, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you can relate to that. <laughs> no, I, I, I get what you're saying though. <laughs> I was oh, the youngest and there was the my older sister, but yeah, she definitely okay. felt like I got all the attention, which I was like. Exactly. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think with any family, like the parents are always doing the best they can just to like make ends meet, put food on the table, put a roof over people's heads. Um, and then also like attend to everyone's emotional needs, which are so, um, you know, that's really difficult because we don't know what's going on inside of each other. Right. So for me, I had a really, you know, experience when I was younger where 
I was, I remember very distinctly, it's like one of the earliest memories I can recall. And I'm running towards my mother. We're at this, um, this swimming pool, public swimming pool where I lived in Maine and I'm running towards her. And then my little brother like sneaks in, runs towards her from like out of my view and into my view, goes to her. She picks him up. And then suddenly I'm left feeling, you know, I'm four years old at this point, uh, not good enough. I'm left feeling uh, abandoned and um, I'll always be like second best to somebody else. So these are like messages and stories that I developed at four years old. And then what we do is we take those stories that we develop and then we, throughout our lives, we reaffirm them. So we're, we're excluding information that sort of goes against those stories and we're looking actively for information that um, validates your story. So for me, I would ignore any information that said I am good enough and then only seek out situations where um, I felt not good enough, right? So we're just validating, 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 um, getting proof and evidence, stacking it up for this like thesis of a four-year-old that is going to ru- run our lives yeah. um, for the next 30 years. Wow. So. I definitely, you know, I had that story. I had, um, you know, predisposition to being a sensitive kid. I had an alcoholic addicted father who was either raging or not there, basically. Um, You know, there's times where he was present. You know, I want to give him that. Um, And yeah, we were just a family trying to make it work up in Maine uh, and, you know, started getting into trouble at school, got kicked out of a number of schools um, got arrested when I was 16 and, you know, started going to rehab at that time, 15 or 16, and just kept going, um, to more and more rehabs, tried a lot of different things. I was, I was fortunate that I was in a position where I could go to rehab. You know, a lot of people, they don't get that, that chance. So my parents, you know, fortunately could send me to rehab. I went out to, um, from Maine to Los Angeles to live by myself with a program, and kind of just stayed out in LA for a while. Um, you know, sometimes uh, getting my stuff together, you know, I had a, a good job in public relations, working for mental health programs and doctors and things like that. Uh, I went to school at Loyola Marymount University over here for communication studies. So I had some periods of success. I was kind of like that, like all A's or all F's kind of student. Um, and I would do really well for a while and then kind of self um, just sort of collapse, right? After like, I would say six months is my usual schedule of like, do really great for six months and then self-sabotage for six months. Do really great, self-sabotage. And I know a lot of people uh, go through that and they kind of feel like it's external forces. Like if only, you know, this girlfriend or boyfriend didn't do this to me, then this wouldn't have happened. Or if only uh, my parents had said this instead of that, this would have happened. So I think it's easy. And for a long time, you know, I also was guilty of this. It's easy to sort of blame these things on external forces when we're not aware of the internal stories that we are continuing to play out. So, for example, like if I were to get to a point where, you know, I do feel like I'm good enough, I'm uh, I'm great, you know, my brain would tear me down and try to take me the other way, you know, and try to come up either find reasons where I'm not good enough or create a situation where I'm not good enough. Mm. So I really have my life run by those stories I was telling you about that I learned when I was four years old, you know, growing up, we learn these stories, we perpetuate the stories. Um, 
really sort of was, my life was dictated by that for a long time. So I don't know. From there, it's kind of just like a, a ton of addiction recovery programs, uh, you know, hospitals, jails, different things. Um, lot, lot of challenges. Um, but I would say to what? I'm sorry. Addicted to what? Um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I would say primarily, I mean, pretty much anything, right? It's, it's like addiction is just sort of trying to fill, um, a hole that we have with something. So it could be, you know, food, it could be sex, it could be drugs, could be alcohol. Um, my primary addiction was like, um, amphetamines, alcohol, um, but really anything that would get me out of my own mind or anything that would, you know, this was an interesting realization I had. I found that sometimes the, especially the hard drugs would create so many problems in my life that like sort of those background problems that are just in my head would kind of go away. It's hard to focus on like the stories that our childhood self is telling ourselves um, when you've got like court to go to, like more physical, practical, everyday things in the way. So just really addicted to anything that would get me outside of myself. Yeah, yeah. Just to escape yeah. the inner reality of the torment of what's going on, yeah. Yeah, it was just this low level of like anger, anxiety, depression, all that stuff would just start to bubble up whenever I didn't have, um, you know, drugs or alcohol or something to escape. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know you and I spoke about this previously, but like, I can relate so much to that because I was an alcoholic and a drug addict for a good part portion of my life um, up until mm. about like five years ago. So um, mm. I totally get just like, you know, the pain is so, you know, intense that like anything that's going to alleviate it or to get me out of that painful experience of just being in my body right is going is like what I'm going for so it's like 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 you said addiction of anything really um but really to escape so I totally get that so what for you was like the turning point like so you know you're going through all this stuff as a child and as a adolescence like trying to figure yourself out you know trying to to succeed in externally or go to school and all that stuff and then finding all these self-sabotaging behaviors and you know and then really getting into these addictive um patterns and and so for you like what was the breaking point like what was your bottom where you were just like all right I can't live like this anymore yeah that's a great question um I guess what comes to mind is like I didn't really have one single turning point uh and it's like for myself and I think a lot of people it's it's, recovery is kind of this like non-linear sort of path where it's like you go forward then you go backwards you go forward you go backwards you go forward you go backwards and it's just sort of for me it was about like okay, like this time I took a step forward and I took five steps backward. So how can I next time take a step forward and only take four steps backwards? Or like, mm-hmm. and over time it started to become uh, one step forward, one step backwards. Okay, great. We're making progress. And with more time and more practice of skills that I've been learning, I started taking like one step forward and then no steps backward. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like this so incremental what kind of process. What are you talking about? Skills that I, that helped me the most were, were basically things that related to, um, emotion management. So how to reframe your thoughts 
so that you can change the way that you feel, so that you can change the way that your impulses are asking you to act, mm -hmm. so that you can choose to act intentionally and do the things you want to do to get the results that you want. Um, so yeah, like a skill that I use all the time, for example, is if I get upset or something, if I'm upset, I will count backwards from a thousand by seven. And what you're doing, if you want to try it really quick, a thousand, 993, 986, 979, you can see that it takes a lot of our memory and our focus to yeah. concentrate on that math. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is, you know, your, your brain is kind of like a computer. In fact, the computer was modeled off of our brains when they invented it. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is using up all of your brain's available, like RAM, like all the memory space for active thinking, you're using it by doing this math. Mm -hmm. So then you're no longer able to think about the thing that is causing you the distress. And so once you're back down to like a lower level of distress, then you can look at it um, more from a place of what they call like wise mind, which is, you know, it's not completely emotional. It's not completely rational. It's kind of that intersection where emotion and rational thought meet. So that's one, one strategy you can use to get, you know, from a heightened emotional state into one that's more of a wise mind state. So you can be more intentional. So yeah, I started learning those different skills and, you know, it's one thing to learn a skill. It's also another thing to practice it because that's where a lot of the work, most of the work happens. I think like you have to know it of course, but practice really makes perfect. So it was just practicing, 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 you know, picking up different skills like that. And, you know, it's different. Recovery is different for everyone and, and roads to recovery are different for everyone. And, you know, if there's one thing I could um, really point out today, it's that, you know, what works for me might not work for you, might not work for a listener um, and vice versa. But there's probably, you know, certain things that we can all agree on that work like mindfulness and meditation. Those seem to be pretty universal. Um, but it's really about sort of picking and choosing the skills and the techniques and the strategies that work for you and um, just applying them, you know, apply as much as you can, take what sticks and let go of what doesn't. Yeah. I would say that was sort of the major turning point for me when I started practicing regularly. Yeah, yeah. What about? I, um, I think for you? me, it was yoga for sure. Hmm. Um, even though when I was doing yoga, I was still pretty much an addict, but still going to yoga, you know? <laughs> um, and then, you know, more spiritual practices, like, um, you know, like shamanic work with sacred plant medicine was life changing for me. That's actually what kicked my addiction, um, which is, you know, a little bit unorthodox and a little out there, but that's how badly I want to change. I was like, I'm willing to try anything. And, um, and luckily it works, you know? And so from there, you know, just really a Vipassana meditation changed my life, which is like a particular form of meditation, but you do it for 10 days straight in silence. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many, things but like you said it's practice right because like I I can tell if I don't keep up with my meditation practice every day um I can see the 
the the breaking down of either the the mental or emotional space right where it's not it's not as fit as it usually is and it's like like you said it's like going to the gym right which I love you know the name of your company mentally fit it's like it is like going to the gym and I try to tell like my clients that all the time because it's like you know they want these results like super fast and I'm like it's like going to the gym you you're gonna go to the gym once or twice and expect to see results you got to go consistently all the time and then you'll see results over time but we like that consistency I think is is hard for people you know and so really understanding that it is a practice right and and the the path to healing and the path to recovery isn't just like a straight trajectory up you know it's like a very zigzaggy path and sometimes like you said you take five steps forward two steps back and and yeah I think for me also is like finding support which I think again like you know love that you offer that but finding support I think for me I was seeking out any other type of spiritual mentors or people that were you know somehow were enlightened or found peace in their way and I'm like teach me you know so um yeah I think that that's super important and um so for you, as you were practicing this stuff, when was it that you were just like, okay, now I want to turn around and try and help people? Yeah. So I had been learning um, a style of therapy that um, was kind of working really well for me. Some skills were finally starting to click. What was that? What kind of um, therapy? The style that I was using was called dialectical behavior therapy. And, um, you know, one of the unfortunate things about therapy, a lot of them are like, they make it very intellectual and hard to understand, but put simply, it's all about increasing your mindfulness so that, you know, when events outside of us happen and a thought happens inside of us related to the event, we don't immediately jump to a reaction. We have, we create space and time by increasing mindful awareness so that we can sort of change the way that we're acting. Um, and change, have like little mini interventions at every step of that chain, you know? So we have an event, we have a thought about the event, we have a feeling from the thought, we have an urge from the feeling, and then we can choose to take action or not. Um, So that was one that was helping out a lot. And, you know, at that point, I was 20, I don't know, 22 or 23, 24 years old, early 20s, Living in New York, um, I had actually run away. I'd skipped probation in Los Angeles and left to New York because um, I'd already violated probation at that time. I was on probation, had violated for using drugs, and I was like, all right, they're going to find me, and I got to get out of here. So I left, went to New York, and I was there, um, uh, and I started getting my stuff together for my for myself for the first time since ever, because at that point I'd been on probation back to back from the time I was 15 years old. And I'd been in programs from the time I was 11, more or less, you know, I had a couple of years here and there at regular school. But so basically at this point, you know, I'm on my own for the first time. I'm learning skills and doing it for myself the first time, which is so important because you can't get better for anybody else. You have to only get better um, for yourself. That's the only way it's actually going to work. Um, so I was seeing this therapist and this style of therapy just clicked for me. It's like all this, all these other therapists that want to talk about my parents and, you know, past experiences and this and that it was great. But what I needed what the most help with was like, what's happening right now. How do I manage my emotions? So I'm not like all over the place. Um, and this, this therapist had, you know, compassionately understood what I was going through. She could communicate that. 
And when you feel understood by somebody for the first time, when someone really understands what you're going through, whether it's uh, someone else who's been through it or a therapist who helps people with your specific issues or challenges, it feels like, you know, you've been on fire your whole life and somebody finally poured a bucket of ice water on your head. Mm. So I had learned this style of therapy from her and it was really working and I was applying it, you know, and this style of therapy, they give you support um, for other outside of therapy hours. So you can call or text if you need help. So that was really helpful as well. And I was starting to pick up these skills and use them and sort of out of the blue, my therapist died and um, you know, she was healthy. She was like in her young thirties and you know, she just went in her, went in her sleep Um the two nights prior to that, I had actually had uh, dreams, vivid, lucid dreams about dying. And, you know, I thought I was going to die. And so I even called my mom and said, hey, I'm going to die. You know, I, you heard it here first. I just want you to know I called it. Um, yeah. And uh, later that day, I got the call that my therapist had died. So it kind of made sense of all these, like, really lucid, really, um, like, I felt like I was there type of dreams. So um, that loss was you know, pretty hard. And I, but fortunately I had kind of learned the skills that I needed. Um, you know, she gave me all the information I needed to carry on. And to me, it felt like this information was like, you know, I need, it was precious information. I needed to learn it and drill it into my head because she's gone. She's not going to teach it to me again. Yeah. So I started the group, um, the mentally fit community, which at that time was called the learn DBT group. Um, and DBT? sorry, what is DBT again? dialectical behavior therapy or dbt yeah Yeah. that's super complex sounding but um that's why we you know we're moving away from specific modalities and just sort of into more of like an open uh whatever works for you modality is what we would call it um but yeah so i learned that we created i created the group and just to help other people but also just to learn the skills myself like you learn so much better by um teaching so i was teaching the skills to people. Um, And at first I was just making videos, kind of talking to nobody. Um, Over time, a few people trickled in that I could um, support. And, you know, I think over a few months, it went from a few people to a few thousand people to 10,000 people. And at a certain point, I was like, I really can't, uh, I can't keep doing my day job, which is uh, marketing and communications. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running an agency in New York with a couple of friends working with, you know, everyone from like local gyms to international um, brands, yoga brands, mm-hmm. um, mental health and wellness brands, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found that like, I didn't love working with, um, not that there's anything wrong with professionals, but it just wasn't my passion to work with professionals as much as it was to help people to get access to these skills So decided, all right, you know what, we'll close down the marketing company um, and just go all in on this thing that, you know, is really pulling me. I'm more passionate about it. And, um, you know, it's just, it just made sense to take all of my skills and abilities that I've gotten over the years and use them uh, where I thought they could do the most good. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I think, you know, that's kind of the journey of most people that have gone through some sort of, you know, either just challenges, obstacles, um, or trauma is that when they've healed themselves or when they find something that works or when they find some sort of, you know, solace, the first thing they want to do is try and share that with people because it's like, you know, it's like, wait, I found something that works. Like, let me try and give this to you, you know? 
and really trying to be of service in that way and to help people, other people that you know are suffering out there, you know, make their, make their journey to healing a little bit easier, you know, and assist them in, in finding what works for them, you know? And so, and, you know, a lot of people ask me too, like, why did you become a coach or how did you become a coach? I'm like, I literally had no intention of doing that. I was only in it to heal myself. And then through healing myself, people were like, show me, help me. And I'm like, okay, like here it is, you know? And then, you know, then my business was organically birthed from, from that space of just wanting to, pay it back to the people that I know are still, you know, struggling with, with, um, depression, anxiety, you know, whatever it is, self-worth and, and trauma really, Mm -hmm. which is essentially the entire point of this interview series. (laughs) Yeah. Gotta, gotta give back. Um, I think us having been through it, anyone who's been through it and has gotten out of it, like, yeah. you know, you just know that you have to give the whole experience meaning. You really have to give back to other people. And um, if you know what it feels like to be, because I know I've been to the, the pits of despair, like, and I'm sure you've been there as well, where it's like, it feels like you're drowning, you're upside down, deep underwater in like a kelp forest, you know, and you have no idea which way is up. And, you know, you're just waiting for that one hand to just plunge into the water and grab your arm and show you which way is up. So, um, yeah, you, you know how it is. Um, I know how it is. So it's like, I feel like a certain responsibility to, uh, go back and help other people for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for somebody who's listening to this right now, what is one thing that they can do today that can, if they're in that place and they're, they're lost in that sea kelp forest right now mm-hmm. and they have no idea how to get themselves out of it. What is something that you can offer to them today that they can maybe take some steps towards finding their way out? Yeah, I would say, you know, first of all, uh, to anyone listening to this who is going through depression, you feel lost, you feel, you know, like she, uh, you were saying, drowning upside down in water, no idea where to go. Um, it makes sense that you feel the way you feel like you're obviously dealing with something um, either externally in your life or internally that is just causing so much um, pressure and difficulty for you. So first I just want to say like, it's normal to experience and to feel what you're feeling. And um, I would say for sure, the thing that the single most helpful thing for me when it comes to depression, especially um, or any kind of low mood is like get up and do something. Uh, there's a skill that we recommend um, all the time called the mood booster skill. And basically the idea is to create a list of things that give you a sense of pleasure. So it could be like like little things, like going out for a walk, um, listening to your favorite podcast, uh, watching a video on YouTube, and then also make a list of things that give you a sense of mastery, things that make you feel accomplished. And that can be different on different days. Like I know I've been through times where literally mastery, I felt accomplished if I like got out of bed and put pants on, maybe even two separate tasks. You know, like sometimes the mountains are seem really big, right? Made breakfast. Uh, <laughs> breakfast, ate breakfast, you know, yeah. like step by step. Like sometimes that's where you got to go. Um, or things like taking an online course or practicing a skill, like those are mastery skills. Mm-hmm. And then your mission, your job is to um, do five things from your list uh, between the two lists every day for the next two weeks. And I guarantee you, um, I mean, obviously I can't guarantee it for anybody who's listening, but I've never had a um, 
depressive or low mood sort of episode I couldn't overcome with this. I've never met anyone who I've introduced this skill to um, that wasn't able to use it to overcome that. So there's something about breaking sort of that feedback loop between like your brain that says I'm depressed and then your body that um, because your brain says you're depressed, your body, you, you want to like sit around, you want to lay down in bed and it kind of reinforces that depressed mood. So something about getting up and actually moving, doing something and celebrating every small win that you can get um, just zaps you right out of it. So um, again, not a doctor. Can't really recommend this, as <laughs> but just saying that it works for me. Um, and that skill is definitely one I would recommend. And of course, like in addition to that, it helps a lot to have an accountability partner of some kind, like either a friend or a relative or a therapist who you can check in with every day and say, hey, I did my five things or I didn't do my five things. And here's why mm-hmm. someone who can just kind of monitor um for, you know, compassionately, they're not there to like tell you, you have to do five things, but just look at what got in the way and help you figure out how you can overcome that. So a coach, you know, would be a great person as well. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a skill that helps. Yeah. And we're, I'm here for you. Um, you know, if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, email, whatever. So feel free to reach out, join the community. We'd love to have you. Yeah, yeah. So Dan's actually going to be offering up his mentally fit community uh, to all of our listeners here. The link should come up as um, an attachment to the email that you received this interview in or underneath this interview if you're on the actual page. And yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about what you're giving to them uh, through this online community. Sure. So if you go to joinmentallyfit.com or click the link in the email, you will find the Mentally Fit website where you can sign up for the Mentally Fit community. And um, basically, once you're inside there, you're going to find other people that are just like you who have overcome the challenges you're going through, who might be going through the same challenges you're going through. Mm -hmm. And we're also bringing in all different types of experts, coaches, and mentors to teach you different mental health skills and have uh, different or difficult conversations around mental health um, and just talk about what it's like to be an everyday human being. You know, we all go through something at different times in life. So we're just here to support you no matter what. And we'd love to have you with us. That's beautiful. I'm excited. I'm excited to, to know you, Dan. I'm, I'm glad that we got connected um, through this journey together and, and looking forward to, to just, you know, supporting you and the work that you're doing in the world because it's so important, especially right now, I think is, you know, people are really understanding that, you know, the external world is, is out of our control and the only thing that we can control um is our internal world right and really really becoming the master of our inner space which is you know something that i've had to work to to really gain um my own power in you know especially mm-hmm. both of us being from new york it's like <laughs> it's really like uh new yorkers evolved <laughs> and now we live in california where we're healing ourselves it's very typical but it's also it's a beautiful journey so i'm i'm happy to to support you in that and to continue to um yeah shine shine the light of healing of our own healing and then also guiding other people through that healing um through our work so Likewise. yeah Pleasure to be on your show and and really glad to know you. Thank you for the opportunity. 
Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Transforming Trauma to Triumph. And we will be catching you on another episode tomorrow. That'll be in your inbox. So have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye. Bye.